Yeah, and then moving on, I think one thing that we wanted to talk about that we already kind of touched on was how to deal with constant setbacks in research. Mm-hmm. Or, or just to say that you know, a lot of times it just doesn't it just doesn't work, right? You yeah. you you put in your perseverance, you put in your your smart flexibilities and changing, making solutions out of the um, particular question, particular problem, but it still didn't work. Right. What would you do? And first of all, I feel like one thing that sh- it, 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 this this is very normal for things not to work, right? If mm-hmm. it works, do we really need to do as much research into it? You know, that, that it, this is obviously a field where, you know, it's just part of the job, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it and, and it's part of the job, and it still needs to be separate from, you know, the, the feeling of achievement. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be something that are are normal, right? right. I think especially for young researchers who are getting their toes wet in research first, sometimes a tiny failure or a setback mm-hmm. in research mm-hmm. is very... It's very discouraging. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I want, I, I feel like it's important for them to realize that it's normal to feel that way. And everyone does at the beginning. And like sometimes the feeling doesn't really go away, but you can learn how to manage it better. And another thing is like, especially I think for PhDs, you need to have the passion to deal with setbacks. Mm-hmm. You need to have the love of your subject to yeah. continue to, to carry on like you shouldn't do a phd just because you want to do a phd <laughs> right well yeah we, we say that all the time right and and especially to deal with setbacks if you don't have the the, the passion and courage of love for your mm-hmm. for your subject it will be very difficult to deal with constant setbacks Right. When you're also, on a clock, right? But I would also add that, like, if if initially in your field you don't feel that burning passion and you experience setbacks and you're like, oh, this sucks, like, that's not a bad thing in, in and of itself because a lot no, of times... it tells you to you know, stop and do something what else. People, well, what people call passion, I think a lot of times, is a feeling that develops over time. You know, a first-year PhD student okay. who has only you know, done lab work for a little bit and don't know their field that well versus a seasoned veteran who has been doing it for five or six years, the amount of interest they have in their subject and curiosity about their subject is going to be, it might be quite different, right? So Mm -hmm. if someone is not feeling passionate about their, and passionate about this subject straight away, I don't think that's necessarily a red alert that tells them, okay, this is not for you. Because I, I, I belong to that camp. I didn't really think research was this like, ooh, exciting feel when I first got in. I just kind of went to grad school because I wanted a better job <laughs> after graduation. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh-huh. right, but my, you know, I hate using the word passion because it's thrown, away, it's thrown around too much. But I feel like that interest in my subject to the point where like I'm reading about it in my free time and talking to people about it, that is something that comes later from doing it mm-hmm. consistently and constantly. But so, there are there are achievements involved, right? Right. So so you're you're, you're kind of tackling smaller project first, trying things, and gradually you think it's interesting, mm-hmm. right? So, but I, I, like I said, this may work 
for a master's project. Yeah. Or in the master's programs. But for a PhD, first of all, the requirement is different. And the, the volume of research is larger. Mm-hmm. And it's very, I, I'd say it's very hard to come in cold-hearted and right. just to pick up everything from the beginning and finish it up on time with, you know, a, a decent quality. Mm-hmm. Right. So I guess I kind of understand that in a sense that, um, you know, in the long run, when you're doing something for five, six, seven years, you have to have at least a certain level of quote unquote passion for it to keep you going. Right, right, right. And this, right. And this passion is what drives most of your daily work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it could, you can, you can have follow up, you can you know people complain about their passion too right it doesn't really have to always be it's not all you know roses and yeah, yeah 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 but regardless you still in the end love the subject it's kind of like a relationship you might love the person <laughs> but there's like annoying quirks that yeah, you have to deal true. with it's just part uh, of the package right, right? and like you have to recognize that it's not like just because you some days are worse than others and some days like you dread it doesn't uh-huh. mean that you know on 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 like a bigger picture that you don't like it, right? Um, exactly, and I think yeah. that once you have that type of mindset, right, it, it's actually so. So this is what really makes a good researcher is is to right. have to have this to to have this ability to deal with setbacks and right, right. Uh-huh. And I would also compare it almost to um, you know to to social media and Instagram. Like, bear with me here. Yeah, <laughs> this is an analogy that I just thought of. But, uh-huh. you know, a lot of times on social media, you only see the highlights of people's lives. And it looks everything, you know, everything looks good. Everything is great. And it's the same in research, right? Whatever you see that is published, whatever you see that is, you know, at conferences or, you know, posters um, stuck up on walls around a department, that is the highlight of people's research experience. Like if you talk to individual graduate students, especially the more senior members, and mm-hmm. you just listen to their stories about like things that, <laughs> that they have tried that didn't work. They might have tried this thing for like a year and a half, and they might be the only person in their lab who has that background. So it's like a very lonely experience for them. Like when you hear about things like that, you realize that it is, you know, setbacks are a really common line of thread and it's actually fairly universal but people mm-hmm. just don't really talk about it that much right you exactly. have to um you know dig it out yes. of them or to talk to them individually and personally and you know you realize this is fairly normal so if you experience it and you feel bad like you are definitely not alone mm-hmm. yeah and i almost feel like we should be more visible or make it more visible um for our failures or or Especially if senior people are willing to come out mm-hmm. and talk about their failures, talk right. about why things didn't work. Um, there's so much. There's so much to be learned from why things don't work, right? Yes, yes, and I think with that, it, it fulfills the goal of enriching research and empowering research in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, and I feel. You can do it easily, actually, with a few impactful professors in a given field. 
Mm-hmm. And this can be, you know, something actually included in the journal for whichever、uh, field, like a frequent. That would be so、meeting. interesting if a journal published things like, okay, this is why it didn't work. <laughs> or, well, wait, yeah, are you talking well, about journals publishing things such as, oh, this is why we didn't publish this paper? <laughs> well, not to that specific level, and we're not naming particular、right. projects. Right. But just to give. And overall, and see what I don't know. It might not be sort of like common mistakes that people make, right? Or right, something right. of so, that that cause, nature. Because I feel like nowadays journal don't do a lot of service, right? It asks for a lot of service for review from reviewers and volunteer work. That's true. But it doesn't like there are resources, but those resources are super dry and normally are from the publisher. Not right, the, right. Not not the um. Say what? What do you say? Like for example, the particular professional society or academic、mm-hmm. society、mm-hmm. that are actually more involved with the journal than the publisher. Right. Yeah, I think、yeah. it'll be very interesting to get together a group of people who are pretty high up and successful researchers,、yeah. or like even people who are not successful, and、um, just kind of have them talk about you know, like what we just said.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and actually, that is, makes for a very interesting department seminar. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, exactly. If it's a department seminar, that would be even easier. Right. Nothing、exactly. would require writing. It just people can just get up and talk. And I think like it also requires a scientist to have a certain amount of humility to be able、yeah. to talk openly about their failures. Definitely. That would be really like I would definitely go to that talk even if there's no free food, <laughs> which is、exactly. usually my only deciding factor whether there's food or not. <laughs> right. Yeah,、oh, well, and I think、yeah. we talked about how to deal with failures and setbacks in research, but what about successes? You know, the rare chance that things、right. all work out. What do、yeah. we do? <laughs> so, in terms of a, I think a good researcher understands how to、uh, again. Communicate and market a good piece of research、uh, to make it relatable, rela- relatable to the public, to、right. make it、um, protect protected from, you know, say intellectual property,、um, or use it for future research wisely.、Mm-hmm. Um, so these are, I think, what really important when actually something that worked, and it's a good piece of. Uh, in finding or information that you independently or, or as a group have done, right?、Um, and I guess some people might also say though, like, is the whole idea? I don't want to go too far away from the topic, but is the、mm-hmm. whole idea of you know patenting and、um, applying for intellectual property rights is that against the whole vein of science? Shouldn't science be open source? Like, yeah, see, that's that's something. I think in applied research, people sometimes do it as a revenue stream. Because、mm-hmm. if you license it to a company, you can use that licensing fee to do more research. Right. That, that is, is true. That's is that's the only justification I can think about. If it's only if it's used for personal income,、mm-hmm. that'd be very strange because. You did not fund this research, particularly、right. the researcher. Public researchers relied on tax money, relied on other source of donations to do all this research.、Mm-hmm. So it, 
so but but then once it's patent it shouldn't be um protected for that researcher's own benefit rather it should be again goes into the big pool that's true yeah mm-hmm. that, that that's like a whole different episode yeah, you know, yeah, yeah but right. i just wanted to bring it up briefly uh, yeah i i think i think it's 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 great i we, we we should probably talk about some of these too. Yeah, it's, and we should probably uh, like get educated on that before we talk too. Because right, right, right. There's so that's much intricacy in patent law. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Definitely. All yeah. Right. So, so for the last few minutes, um, I think we're just gonna get a little bit opinionated and judgmental. Right, right. Because we kind of <laughs> also we kind of like briefly talked about that and. We might have different opinions on it, um, but you know, we, we just talked about success, and a lot of times when a lab uh, is successful at one thing, it will continue doing projects that are similar in that field to replicate that same success and achieve that same um, level of success. So if you are very good at doing one thing, should you stick with that thing or you know, should you venture out of your comfort zone as a PI? And do other things that might be more meaningful for science, right? Or say, for example, if a if a professor is is tenured, right, mm-hmm. or or it's uh it's been promoted to a full professor, there are no more ranking involved. Um, a lot of people, I think, someone told that there's like a full professoritis, so it's like a it's like a it's like a syndrome. Of a full professor of, of being now what? Right, you uh, have already achieved what you maybe set out to achieve. Now, yeah. What? So, so that's like a full, at least a tenure effort, from a so assistant professor all the way to a full professor. Well, maybe some people depends on on average maybe eight to ten right. years, um, right. for that to happen. But mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but because people just be like you know now what. A lot of people, I think, they switch, um, gradually switching or changing their research topics, and going for more uh, personal research. Right. So, so research that are more personal, more in alignment with their passion. Mm-hmm. And this so le- things that are not necessarily greatly revenue generating but you know yeah so that so they there care are, about more they're like there are profile building papers right if you're a good researcher you can be good at researching and generating um high quality or accepted findings using science right and that and that's okay that right. that that as long as you f- follow all the rules and you might like 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 we were preparing this episode we're, we're talking about people can be good at researching but are they good researcher mm-hmm. and when you say you can, good there is a moral twist to it right yes yes and there's a definitely a huge moral twist there. right so not good in terms of technical skills but good as in you know in the ultimate scheme of things are they doing something that will help humanity is that what you mean? Yes, yes. Or how personal is the um, how personal are these results to the to to the researcher? Right, right. Or how is that just a tool to get? Um, it, it, are 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 some of the research findings are just 
tools to get promoted. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be bad research. Probably bad research won't get you promoted, anyways. Right. But but what type of but bigger what, goal? Right. What what the university or your department finds important, and what funding agencies like you know such as industrial contracts or companies find is important might not align with what a professor finds personally important. Yes, and normally some of these questions are more basic. It's more difficult to transfer to dollars, mm-hmm. and it, and then and the success rate is lower. So they're they're like unsafe research. Right, right. So I guess we're building this on the assumption that, um, you know, if, if, at least in food science, uh, when when professors get funded by companies and whatnot, usually that's tied to a more short term project where they're um, they are. There is more certainty that it will produce useful results versus right. like the basic science questions that someone might be personally more uh, interested in investigating. Mm-hmm. So I think this this has less to do with how quote unquote good of a researcher this person is, but how like how much responsibility does this person have to the field? Right. But I would also challenge that at the same time, just uh-huh. because a professor, um, let's just say a professor has done flavor analysis for a very long time for the industry. He's yes. very good at what he does, or she's very good at what she does. And then, um, you know, they have tenure now, and they want to venture off into something that they find more fun, like a personal pet project. Sure. Will it really do the field justice, though, if they switch from doing something that they're really good at and they produce very good results and a huge volume of like successful results for to something that they might find personally interesting, but they don't have that capacity necessarily to answer that question? So will it be right. time yeah. wasted? That's true, too, because you because it takes a lot of it costs a lot to to um to reinvent yourself it costs a lot to reinvent yourself to reacquaint yourself with a slightly different feel or slightly different way to conduct research and it also Mm -hmm. puts your graduate students at risk you know because i doubt (laughs) (laughs) i doubt pi is personally doing these things themselves and a lot of times it's probably someone's master's project right (laughs) (laughs) so that is that moral conundrum right you want to do something good maybe for for humanity but Mm -hmm. in practicality how does that turn out but i think we're speaking a little bit in black and white and a lot of times it is a little bit more gray than that Um, yeah but that that is a great question like I wonder how many professors right now who are doing research are doing things that they personally care a really a lot about, or is that something right. that they're doing just because just they where feel the money is. that's where the money is, uh-huh. right? Right. Like so, that that is a good question to ask. Yeah, because that because that takes into the value of this researcher, mm-hmm. right? Or I I think good or bad, black or white, it's it's very generic description right but what type of and and it really gets a lot of more personal and a lot of more um moral driven per se yeah um in terms of the meaning of the research given that given that the research has been good and well carried out 
there's still different levels of research right. that could technically or different types of research could exist. Yeah. Good, good questions for our listeners to think about <laughs> and yeah. email us your thoughts. <laughs> Has anyone emailed us ever? I don't. I actually I don't, don't check so. the. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. I can check right now. Yeah. Because yeah. when I when I click, I normally goes to Gmail first and then click right. into it. Right. I don't. Yeah, I don't really have access to the Gmail because Ben's phone number is tied to our Gmail account. Uh-huh. <laughs> So far, nope. <laughs> All right. Well then, <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. It takes a yeah. lot of courage to email like a podcast. That's, that's true. But if you're interested, it is f i h podcasts at gmail dot com. F i h yes. standing for foot in a hood. That's f i h podcasts at gmail dot com. Okay. So I think yep. it's been a very good episode. Yeah. Very fruitful yeah. discussion. All right, and I feel like this so, is something that we were quite comfortable talking about versus the E. coli lettuce outbreak, because um, <laughs> we actually do this on a daily basis. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. But all right, sounds okay. good. Till next well, time. Till next time. Bye bye. Bye bye.